You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're going to discuss the Bills' victory today over the Miami Dolphins 56-26 in Buffalo. And to, we, we, are, we have the number two seed right now. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, our wall of famers and wall of shamers with some help from our followers on Twitter. We also have a couple of signed Bills jerseys for our podcast giveaway. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that too. And we'll also give you a quick rundown of the Bills versus the Colts next week and discuss that matchup. But first, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. And fellas, going into this game, the Bills had a chance to get the number two seed in the playoffs, and we were kind of wondering how long the starters, like Allen and Diggs, etc., were going to play in this game, if at all. And I was always of the opinion that I'd rather rest the starters and have them play and potentially get hurt, just because I feel like I'm more risk-averse with certain things in my life, including the Buffalo Bills, my sports team. And it was a scary first quarter or so with some potential injuries to... Taron Johnson, uh, Matt Milano, because Taron Johnson tried to tackle Matt Milano. And, uh, there was a, there was a call, close call with Stefan Diggs. And I'm like, Oh no, the offense wasn't clicking, you know, at all early. And it felt like Allen was taking way too many hits, but the Bills stuck with it. They got up 28 six before halftime and essentially beat the Dolphins by that point. They put a lot of their depth offensively and defensively on the field after the first half. And they had a lot of their second string of players playing. And the Bills the Bills still looked pretty darn good overall against the Dolphins' first teamers. I mean, what makes it even better is this was a game the Dolphins had to have in order for them to make the playoffs. But the Bills not only took the second seed in the AFC today, but they snot-bubbled the Dolphins and took away the playoffs from them, which makes it, in my opinion, just so much sweeter in today's victory. So it was a message to the Dolphins. It was a message to the rest of the AFC and, frankly, the rest of the NFL in that there are teams that you do not want to face in the postseason. And we are that team. It's almost like that Walter White quote. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. So basically, you know how there are certain teams that we've been looking at who we don't want to play 
in the first round of the playoffs. Well, I'm sure almost every team in the AFC doesn't want to play Buffalo at any point in the playoffs based on how the last few weeks have gone, based on how good the Bills are playing to end the season. And I'm feeling really good, so much better this season than I did last season. So, John, I'll start it off with you. I mean, what do you think about today's win and what it could mean in the playoffs? Well, today was great, first of all. Very happy, especially against the Dolphins. I hate the Dolphins. Everybody knows that. Um, statement game, like you said, um, you know, even the backups getting the extra reps and, and playing well and, and boosting their confidence as well. 6-0 in the division, swept the division. Third time they've gone 13-3 and in their history. The other two times being in 1990 and 1991, the first two Super Bowl teams. I mean, it is just like all, all the single season records, Allen, Diggs, Bass. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, Diggs, six all-time receptions in a season for the NFL. That's crazy. Um, not bad for somebody who, you know, oh, he's not going to be happy in Buffalo. You know, that whole thing. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right. The, the Bills are the team that should be feared going into the playoffs. And, you know, it, it was funny earlier today. It's like, okay, do we want the Dolphins, the Colts, or the Titans, and this and that? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're, I, I'm, I'm confident that we can be at any of those teams. Yeah, what about you, Mike? What do you think about that? It was a great game, a fun win. The Dolphins were no joke coming in. They were a legit 10-5 and five team, I thought. Um, so for the Bills to have the ability to host the first playoff game in 24 years, it's just exciting time to be a Bills fan. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen looked great today. I mean, minus the first few drives, the first drive ended in an interception, the next two in punts, and you're just like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't ideally how you want the game to start. Um, you know, maybe he shouldn't have played at all. He should have just, you know, sat today and then, you know, he lit it up. He went 18 for 25 in the first half, 224 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. And he kind of, you know, he, he made his case that he should be considered. You know, for the MVP, he beat Drew Bledsoe's single season uh, career passing yardage record today that was set in 2002. <laughs> like it's been a long time, finally been broken. Um, that was important, I know, to, uh, to the team and Josh Allen. So he did that. And, and I thought he looked against one of the supposedly one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I mean, after those first few drives, he just carved them up and he didn't look back. And if, you know, he had stayed in, in the game, I mean, you're talking probably a 400-yard game by by Josh Allen. He just looked unbelievable. I I think he needs to be in that case. Isaiah McKenzie had a great game, um, three touchdowns overall. Um, you know, in a, in a game where uh, they they really haven't used Isaiah McKenzie a ton all season um, in the passing game, and uh, we haven't really seen him return any punts. That was always Andre Roberts' thing. Uh, it, it he's he looked great today. Um, were you guys curious? I haven't really watched Tua a whole lot this season, and I was I was curious at least to see how he was going to look in general, and then how he was going to look against our our secondary, even minus Tre'Davious White, who was healthy and active today, and minus uh, you know uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, our top two pass rushers, being healthy scratches too. Uh, I was curious how he was going to see, and I I mean he was touted as going to be you know the most amazing quarterback. And I know he's a rookie and he didn't start for a while um, while Fitzpatrick was, was starting. Um, but I, I mean, as of now, I am not really, I'm not scared at all of Tua and what he brings. There was nothing. I mean, we, we were so used to watching Josh Allen week in and week out. There was not a hint of Josh Allen into, I mean, he made a, a few good throws, but 
um, I mean, still a rookie. I was not, I did not come away scared about Tua in the future any more than I would have been scared about Ryan Tannehill in the Ryan Tannehill years. What did you guys think about Tua's performance today? Well, I agree with you. He's been relatively efficient, but the announcer said it like he can't push the ball down the field. Um, you know, I, I think I saw somebody even tweet out something about comparing him to Trent Edwards, right? Um, so no, I'm not, I'm not scared. Yeah. You always wonder with those guys from Alabama. These teams that have these amazing offenses around them, like, you know, uh, amazing wide receivers, amazing offensive line, like, is it really that they're that good or is it the whole team around them? Like, cause you look at Josh Allen coming from Wyoming, he's amazing, <laughs> you know, and he didn't, he did not have the offensive line that Tua had in college. He did not have the wide receiving core, the tight ends that Tua had, the running backs. Um, you know, you always wonder if that's really the reason why they're that good or if they truly are just that good of a quarterback in, in, and, and, you know, Brian Dable knows him best. So maybe he gave some hints to uh, Leslie Frazier on how they could be too. I don't know. Mike, what'd you think? I don't think I don't, it's just way too soon. I think if you ask Miami fans, if they feared Allen in his rookie year, the answer would be a resounding no, right? Like the, just the temporal proximity of these two players is just like, so it's a golf, right? Like, yeah. You got to ask in two, three years. Maybe two is carving up the AFC. Like, who knows? But, like, in present day, I would much rather face Tua than Fitzpatrick. Just it seems like Fitzpatrick, for his faults, he can t- he certainly turns the ball over, but he can catch lightning in a bottle. And it would just be, it'd be a heartbreaking way to exit the playoffs if the Bills played the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick got hot, right? Like, I, I agree with John. I don't fear the Dolphins. I don't, I guess, hate the Dolphins. Like, if, for me, I if I had to pick another AFC East opponent to to do well, I think the Dolphins for me much more than the Patriots or the Jets. Like I don't bear them the ill will, but um, I, this, I don't fear Tua at all currently. But that could that, that could change. change. This this is going to help. I think the rivalry between the Bills and actually another team for once, other than all of us trying to you know uh, take off the Patriots. This is this is starting a rivalry where the Bills knock the Dolphins out of the playoffs. They're not going to forget that next season when they play the Bills. And it looks like something that could be, I don't know, it just seems really fun. I mean, offensively, the Bills had Josh Allen, speaking of Josh Allen versus Tua, Josh Allen had seven passing touchdowns this season against the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins only allowed 20 passing touchdowns all season. So seven of those came at the hands of Josh Allen, which that's how good Plus of a game. <laughs> impressive yes from <laughs> good old matt barkley um so I, I i like that idea of starting that rivalry again because i i mean we grew up i at least you said mike you don't hate the dolphins i grew up hating the dolphins and it's fun to think that they were actually competing with another team for once instead of all just fighting for the scraps from the new england patriots well it might be a geography thing too right like i just feel like jets fans there's more of them and they're more annoying. And the Patriots, it's just they've been so good for so long. Like if you had to pick another AFC East team to succeed, I would have it be the Dolphins. But yeah, when you play them, you want to destroy them, of course. I was hoping it would be the Jets where they would extend Adam Gase another season <laughs> instead of uh, we're just finding out that, you know, it's it looks like he's going to be fired, which, which I, don't, I don't think anyone would have questioned that call. Being, I'm surprised it wasn't done sooner, but I mean, everyone thought he would be fired. Um, did you, <laughs> so it was, 
I, I guess it was just it was cool watching the game, um, and it's cool to see the Bills being one of. The, I mean, here's an interesting stat. I mean, we're going to go into stats of the game a little bit later, but um, the Bills' offense the last three games they've had forty seven point three points per game, three hundred fifty seven passing yards per game, four hundred eighty eight total yards per game, and a plus eighty eight point differential in the last three games. And you're talking about obviously the Dolphins today, you know, a very good Dolphins team, playoff caliber Dolphins team, although they're not going to the playoffs. You're talking about the New England Patriots last week and the Denver Broncos the week before. So, I mean, that that's the kind of margin where, um, I mean, are just, they, are they really a playoff caliber team if they're not in the playoffs? <laughs> they're, they're, they're God. almost there. They're, they're on that, they're on that tier <laughs> in the hunt. Oh, he's a hall of famer, but he, he he's not in the hall of fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame caliber, but not quite there yet. Can can we really say that the NFC East team that wins the division is truly playoff caliber? I mean, it could be a six and ten team that that makes the playoffs. Yeah. So compared to that, the Dolphins are absolutely playoff caliber. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, as far as uh, where was I going to say? Look, the the good thing is they're they're cresting, right? Um, t- today's victory, they had the second most points in team history. So that's what you like to see going into the playoffs for sure. Yeah, especially with you know only their starters playing the first half on offense. <laughs> I guess it's not like the Dolphins were taking their starters off on defense at the second half. Are you guys so now is going into playoffs? Are you guys gonna grow a playoff beard, Mike? You're usually clean shaven, John. You already got a beard growing. Are you gonna grow a playoff beard? You gotta grow it till the Bills lose or they win the Super Bowl, and then go from there. No trimming. If you already have a beard, no trimming, no shaving off. You know, what do you think? I will not. <laughs> so why not? Here's a chance to just, you're not, you're not going into work. You don't have to see anyone. Just, just grow your beard, man. John? <laughs> no, I, I just trimmed it way back. It was already really long. I'm not going to grow it back out again just for that. Maybe oh. if I, if I, you told me that beforehand, maybe. I'm telling you right now, there's no beforehand. This is when the playoffs start as of today. After the game, the playoffs are starting now. So now you can grow it out and let it, uh, let it get as long as you want. Like the point is like unity though, right? So it'd have to be like uh, all Bills fans or something like. Lots of Bills fans are doing it. I ran a poll on Twitter and like 90% of Bills fans would do it if they could. So it's until they win the Super Bowl. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. So if or it's not- knocked out. <laughs> or get knocked out. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's not a big deal. No, it's not. That's why you should do it. That's why Mike shouldn't be such a wimp it's, about it's, it. it. Super Bowl, we all get tattoos. Ooh. That might be the one thing I decide to ever get a tattoo of. The Bills uh Of course with my luck, I would get the tattoo and they change the logo the next year. So it'd be like an out of date tattoo. <laughs> it wouldn't be the charging buffalo anymore. Like, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. So no playoff beards for you guys. I'm definitely Growing off, growing out a playoff beard, which isn't that big of a deal because luckily I uh, I don't have to see anyone at work because I'm working from home right now, so I can let it get as shaggy as I want. So um, let's go into our stats of the game. Stats of the game. They've done studies, you know. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So you're telling me there's a chance. All people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. Real quickly, I'm just going to gloss over this because none of these stats really matter today in the 
in the grand scheme of things. Josh Allen, 18 for 25, 224 yards, three touchdowns. One and you should point out that you already have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> I do already it's have like a beard. It's all very self-serving. <laughs> yeah, but now I don't have to shave it, so it works out perfect. It is right. extremely self-serving. Josh Allen, 18 for 25, 224 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Matt Barkley, 6 for 13, 164 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Antonio Williams, Bill's leading running back, 12 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. Good, great game from the undrafted free agent rookie running back. Zach Moss, three carries for eight yards, 2.7 yards per carry. Devin Singletary, three carries for seven yards, 2.3 yards per carry. Bills could really get nothing done on the ground besides Antonio Williams taking over in the second half. With the backup offensive line, no no less. Uh, Bills leading receiver was Gabriel Davis, two receptions on five targets, 107 yards and one touchdown. Stephon Diggs, seven receptions on eight targets for 76 yards. John Brown, four receptions on four targets for 72 yards. One touchdown on his first game back from IR. Isaiah McKenzie, six receptions on nine targets, 65 yards, and two touchdowns. And then Dawson Knox and some other players. On the Dolphins side of the ball, we'll go through this quickly. Tua Tagovailoa, 35 for 58, 361 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Man, when people made the biggest deal about Josh Allen not having a 300-yard passing game. It's like, oh, look what Tua did. He had 361 yards. Of course, it was all garbage time when the Bills were playing in a prevent defense, but whatever. Um, Salvid Ahmed is leading rusher for the Dolphins. Six carries for 29 yards, one touchdown, 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, Tua had a few rushes in. Miles Gaskin had a few rushes in. And leading receiver for the Miami Dolphins, Devontae Parker, seven receptions on 14 targets. Wow. A lot of targets. 116 yards, no touchdowns. Miles Gaskin, four receptions on five targets for 57 yards. And Mike Jasecki, five receptions on 10 targets for 47 yards. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we're going to our plays of the game and our wall of famers and wall of shamers and our matchup discussion for the Bills versus the Colts. So stick around. All right, welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm with my co-hosts, John and Mike, and we're going to get into our Sweet Sassy Molassie plays of the game. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Get out the checkbook and pay Grandma for the rubdown. Sweet Sassy Molassie plays of the game brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. John, I'll start with you first. What was your Sweet Sassy Molassie play in today's victory? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the uh, McKenzie punt return. It was just an electrifying play, and the Dolphins were just – I think it just made them demoralized after that, and I just can't think of a better play. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a that was, a, that was an amazing play. Uh, first uh, punter for, return for a touchdown since 2014, I believe they said. So, uh, Mike, what about you? Is that your sweet yeah, – Same. It's been 122 games. It felt like – 500 games. So it was great to finally see. You were the one that was bringing this up last week on the podcast about how you hadn't seen a punt return for a touchdown or a kickoff return for a touchdown. And you didn't know how long you were looking at highlight reels of the human joystick and Dante Hall and Devin Hester. And you finally get, it's like they were listening to you. And, uh, and what's even more impressive about the McKenzie punt return is that he, if you guys remember at least a year or two ago, he, before Andre Roberts got here, he had really struggled in punt catching and he muffed 
a few punts against the Texans in a game uh, in Josh Allen's rookie season. And uh, he just didn't look good. And today, I mean, he redeems himself. I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, he uh, he could take over the job. I don't know. I don't want to look that far ahead. But it, it's good to see that we have a backup punt returner that's that electric and uh, and has the ability to do that. Vonnie Roberts can't. The distance, too. I mean, he had all kinds of moves. The other step, stopping a diamond was a thing of beauty. Yeah. And like John said, ele- electrify the Bills and completely demoralized uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, that was the uh, the score that put them up twenty one to three on the day. It was his third touchdown, and he got that within the second quarter. Um, unbelievable! I'm actually going to go with a different play, although I love that play. I didn't notice this play until after the game, where I looked on Twitter. Is in the second quarter, Josh Allen had a touchdown pass to Isaiah McKenzie from the fourteen yard line to put the Bills up fourteen to three. And what I didn't notice at the time, because the CBS announcers didn't bring it up, and I didn't see it closely in the replay is that it was actually a Josh Allen no-look touchdown pass to Isaiah McKenzie. He wasn't even looking in his direction. He was looking in the other side of the field, and he passed it to him without looking to the right side. And Isaiah McKenzie wasn't just, like, streaking down the sidelines, and it wasn't just, like, a vertical pass, you know, up the sidelines. It was a crossing pattern to which he uh, he hit him in stride. And that was, like, that was like MVP caliber. That was an MVP caliber pass. I mean, if that was, you know, Patrick Mahomes doing having that pass, I mean, you know, ESPN would be creaming their pants over it all day long tomorrow. So um, that was cool to see Josh Allen just, again, puts him in the MVP conversation like it should. Um, I love that play. Looking back, to, I will give an honorable mention to the Josh Norman taint that he had in the third quarter. He ended up intercepting a Tua uh, pass, and the Bills were up 28-6. to six. His taint brought it back to... Uh, for a touchdown, so the Bills were up 35-6, to six, and it was just unbelievable. It was a great-looking taint. Another one, we, like I said, we hadn't seen one in a few years. We saw one a couple of weeks ago from Taron Johnson, and now we saw one from Josh Norman. And uh, you guys were tweeting at us, saying how good of a, t- uh, good of a taint it was, how, how quality of a taint it was. And, uh, yeah, honorable mention to that one. It'd be cool if we could see one every week. That's the dream. Oh, a taint every week. Imagine seeing two taints in one sitting, <laughs> or as or as you say, Mike, a perineum. If we can see, <laughs> <laughs> that's a menage a taint. <laughs> two in a sitting. <laughs> two in a, a menage a taint. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone did tweet at us. I believe it was Emily. And tweeted at us and said, "Great taint." Parentheses perineum by Josh like perineum. Yeah, yeah. perineum. You're a fan of uh, of uh, the perineum. <laughs> and, if and if you're wondering if we have a middle school sense of humor, uh, you'd be correct. I thought another honorable mention besides the taint. Um, you know why it's called the taint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why it's called the taint. Can you explain it? Because it taint your balls and it taint your ass. <laughs> I, I did not. I thought you were going to say touchdown after interception. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So that's not a medical term. The perineum is the medical term. I couldn't tell which one was which. Which one was a slang and which one was the medical term. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> um, I'm going to give... The, uh, another honorable mention to the, it was, it was such an insignificant play for the game, but it was significant in the fact that 
Um, it ended up breaking uh, Drew Bledsoe's 2002 single season passing record. It was just in the second quarter, there was a six yard pass to Devin Singletary from Josh Allen that beat the record. And uh, honestly, I thought they were going to pull Josh Allen after that. And he ended up staying for the rest of the second quarter and he had an amazing game. So um, shout out to that as well. Sweet Sassy Molassi plays of the game brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Now let's get into our Gettysburg plays of the game. Four score and seven years ago. Maybe there's a doctor out there who you could have on as a guest to, to like explain and talk up the perineum. <laughs> talk it up like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, the advantages, the functions. <laughs> Why it's important. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would love to hear more about um, the perineum. And then we could ask him, did you know it? it's also called a taint? And did you know a taint is also a pick six? Did you? And he'd be like, why am I on this podcast? <laughs> Why did you ask me to come on? <laughs> I just lie to him and say, like, this is a medical podcast. This is a, a know your body <laughs> <laughs> apparently only if you're male but uh, know your body <laughs> uh podcast i'm sure oh, we no, it's it's for both genders oh okay oh, i did not know that thank you for telling it's me you should be for like childbirth and everything yeah oh my goodness i'm learning from you you should be the keynote speaker <laughs> on this podcast i'm sure we have podcast listeners that are uh doctors medical doctors, medical yeah. doctors yeah yeah um that would like to uh discuss this let me know maybe you can come in in the off season um, Gettysburg play of the game brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Guys, was there a turning? Was there a play that turned the tides in today's win? Is there one that was like the Gettysburg play, like the Gettysburg of the Civil War, which was a play of the game for you, Mike? What is your Gettysburg play of the game in today's victory? Nate, for me, it came in the first quarter. The Dolphins were up three to zero, but Bohorquez, who can't say enough about the Bills special teams, he had the coffin corner kick. It was a 69 yarder that went inside the one yard line. And we talk every week, right? How we want to see the special teams step up, the punt returns, the, the, the punter gets them down inside the 20. And today we saw it. So the Dolphins would go three and out after that punt which led to the Bills' first touchdown to McKenzie to make it 7-3, and the Bills never looked back from there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. John, what about you? Do you have one, or is that yours? Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I, I can't think of a better one than that one. Corey Bohorquez is, is is just turning into, you know, so so many times we just kind of peg these players as like, uh, you know, they might get slightly better. Or this is this is their ceiling, what you see them as now. You forget that the Bills' coaching staff is so good that they can actually get the best out of players that aren't playing at a at an average or above average role and take them to the levels like just Corey Bohorquez is a perfect example of that. He's been doing unbelievably the last few games and perfect timing for the playoffs. Um, and right after that, Dane Jackson, it was a three and out, like you mentioned, John, Dane Jackson almost gets a safety on that tackle. Dane Jackson, I thought had a pretty decent game today. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to use, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to use that one too. Um, the Gaysburg plays of the game brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Now let's go into our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Uh, Wall of Fame in today's game. Wall. John, I'll start with you. Who are you going to put on your Wall of Fame in today's victory? 
I think McKenzie had a heck of a game. 181 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns. I can give it to him. Yeah, he had an unbelievable game. I can't disagree. Yeah, neither can I. It's it's got to be Isaiah McKenzie. Just unbelievable game by the and he did it all in the first half. He did it all, most just about all of it in the first half. Um, I want to give a shout out though to Dean Marlowe, who had two interceptions today in a backup role, almost had three interceptions today. His first interception actually of his career came today, and then he had another one on top of that, almost had a third. Um, also a shout out to Antonio Williams, the undrafted rookie free agent. Um, if you remember, we talked about him in the preseason because he was the guy that got cut and signed like about 12 different times. Uh, he reminded me of that that scene from The Office. When you said that you might want to have kids and I wasn't so sure, who had the vasectomy reversed? And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. You have no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. And that was basically Antonio Williams' uh, beginning of his career as a Buffalo Bill. But there's a reason why they kept bringing him back. He looked um, great. He was definitely the best running back on the field today, um, even with the backup offensive line. And then also, if you think about it, I mean, the Bills won't have TJ Yeldon next year because he's on an expiring contract. So I was always thinking it was going to be Christian Wade as the Bills' third running back. They've obviously been keeping him on the practice squad for two seasons in the International Pathway Program for a reason. But now I'm starting to really think that Antonio Williams is going to take over that running back three role next season. Obviously not a huge, super important role, but um, you got to be excited about what you've seen from him um, just in today's game so far and what the Bills can hope to see from him um, in the future. So let's go into our wall of shame in today's victory. Shame. 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 Wall of shame. I'm just going to go first. I have no one. Um, I thought this game was dominant from the front to back. Um, even the second teamers look good. How do you, how do you criticize this game at all? I, I, I find it. I think, I think the, the Bills sat so many players that I think Brian Dable even sat himself in the second half and he let like Ken Dorsey call the plays. The quarterback's coach, like just let him call the plays because it's like, ah, you know, let's, let's see how you do coaching just in case, uh, you know, I don't come back next season or anything. Um, I, I don't have a wall of shame for today's, for today's win. Um, what about you, John? No, Mike, you go first. Sorry. Nate, to me, the only thing that stuck out when the game was still in question on the Bills first drive, when Allen threw the interception, I thought it was fairly obvious um, there was a, a bang, bang, very close play, and I wish they could have got up to the line a little bit faster to save the pick from going to well, – you guys alluded to it um, with the MVP still, oh, I guess, under consideration, still to be voted for. Um, I didn't like seeing him get the interception. It didn't matter in the long term, but in a close game, close game against the Chiefs, something like that, it, it could have been the difference. That's a good one. John, what about you? I have no wall shamers. <laughs> nice. I do. I do want to just mention, like, I, I do think Knox is in, inconsistency can be frustrating at times. Um, obviously wasn't a factor of this game, but like he'll make an amazing catch or truck somebody and then he'll, he'll drop a couple easy. Like, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, other than that. Yeah. We really need him to hit his stride this postseason. <laughs> you know, the bill starting. And of course, you know, uh, Tyler Croft wasn't inactive today for COVID-19 and uh, it turns out he didn't have it, but he was in close contact with someone that had it. Anyway, um, 
So we'll see if they if they activate Tyler Croft in next week's game against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, oh, I forgot to read some of the uh, some of the Gettysburg plays of the game in today's win. Um, brought to you on Twitter. I put a tweet up, and uh, Michael Taylor writes a Gettysburg play of the game, getting off the bus. <laughs> Rob S. writes, Josh Norman taint after Miami opened a second half with a touchdown. You had to wonder if the backups could hold on to the lead. The Norman taint got momentum back, and the Bills rolled. Jaden Wolf wrote, wrote for the Gettysburg play of the game, the interception by Josh lit a fire under him, threw all over them after that. Bill's God writes, this is interesting. He writes, we really shouldn't have a Gettysburg play of the game for blowouts. Gettysburg was a turning point and morale boost that changed the direction of the war. We didn't need either. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll just, you know, crap all over the format of our show. Why don't you? Well, you, the Gettysburg plays we picked was when it was still in doubt, right? Like at the end of the game, you could say, oh, the end of the game equates to 50 years after the civil war. Well, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, thank you, Mike. So it's still relevant what you guys said. All right. <laughs> like the Bills were behind. If if we're taking the punt as the Gettysburg play of the game, the Bills were losing 3-0. Yeah, true. They had to come back at some point. So nice. Um, we're going to go I'm gonna read some tweets. So after every game, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do. We are at CTW Pod, like circling the wagons pod. Um after every game I write who is on your wall of fame or wall of shame. In today's win or loss, and you guys never seem to disappoint. Well, mostly. <laughs> Rob S. writes, Wall of Fame, McKenzie, Antonio Williams, and the secondary. Great to see all around. Wall of Shame, the offensive coaching. The starters were in too long and called too many pass plays with Barkley in. Now, I think John alluded to this, but I think having Barkley throw as many pass plays as possible was a good thing. Right, John? Didn't you see that as a good thing? Yeah, absolutely. You want to get all these backups as many reps as you can if I mean, God forbid Allen goes down or any of these guys go down. You want, I mean, he's got a solid half a game throwing the ball over the field under his belt as opposed to just handing it off every play. Yeah, exactly. The more reps, the better. That's absolutely, I agree with that, that logic 100%. So I think that's why they did that. Christopher Oligret writes, Wall of Fame, McKenzie, Wall of Shame. Can't even point to one. Everyone played well, even our practice squad players. Let's go, Buffalo. Hey, shout out, speaking of practice squad players, shout out to friend of the podcast, Mike Love who's been on the podcast, I want to say three times, three or four times. And he had that amazing uh, six or seven yard tackle for a loss while the Dolphins were driving in Bill's territory. So that was obviously great to see by Mike. Big R writes, Wall of Fame, McKenzie, Allen, Bajorquez, Defense, and Antonio Williams. <laughs> Frankly, the whole team deserves props for squishing the fish to smithereens in their must-win game. Finns got embarrassed. Wall of Shame, everyone's saying Flores should be coach of the year over McDermott. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. McDermott put that to rest today. Gettysburg play of the game. He has a pun return touchdown, which Mike and John mentioned earlier. Wall of, Mark writes, wall of fame, no major injuries. Wall of shame, lack of physical bubbles for each starter to sit and social distance in. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we should talk about that real quick. That's one of the, my biggest fears, and I almost don't want to say it out loud because I don't want it to come to fruition somehow through the cosmos by me even putting it out there in space. But uh, COVID is the only is one of my biggest worries, especially like Mark mentioned, no major injuries today. Thank God, um, a COVID outbreak or something could happen, and that would be absolutely devastating. Um, I know that uh, earlier today, uh, 
Lexi Croft, which is Tyler Croft's wife, tweeted something out about her. Hold on. Let me find that real quick. She's talking about Tyler getting uh, placed on the COVID list. Missing two games for something we don't have is beyond ridiculous. This is now the second time we've been put on the COVID list and don't have COVID. After being pulled out of a game for giving for giving a five-minute ride to a teammate with masks on, we've been beyond vigilant to protect ourselves and our newborn daughter. Before getting ruled out and, and releasing a false positive test to the world, can we actually review the now five negative tests, including PCR, that immediately followed before the decision was made? So something like that scares me uh, when she writes that because you always assume that the COVID list, like, yeah, you know, it's for people that have it and people in close distance, not for somebody that just happens to give someone a ride for a few minutes, even with masks on. Um, it's scary. It's scary to think that that could happen to like a Josh Allen or a Stefan Diggs or someone that important. You're just hoping that they put the right uh, measures in place that, that, that we don't have to worry about that. Does that scare you guys at all? <laughs> Is it just me? Yeah. I mean, you'd hate to lose somebody for a game to be put on that list that shouldn't have been. Um, but you also, I mean, you can understand wanting to be super cautious about it. It's just a bad situation all around, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I just hope it doesn't happen to somebody that's not like the backup tight end at this point. I agree with John, though. It's better to be safe than sorry in a situation like that. I can understand her frustration, but and having what do you, what do you want? Having five negatives after the, the fact, though. I mean, how many more? It was a false positive, and then they had five negative tests after. I mean, that sounds like... Sounds like you should have been able to play. I mean, how many negatives do you need within a certain... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, obviously you don't want people with COVID playing, but that's a fear of mine going into this. So I'm going to stop talking about it. I don't want to worry Bills fans, uh, people listening to this podcast. You mentioned backup tight end. Should he be starting? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think, in my opinion, I mean, you were talking about the inconsistency of Dawson Knox. He hasn't gotten uh, remarkably better. He did have that one good catch. Uh, this afternoon, it was a leaping grab. Um, I think he's still missing blocks, at least from what I've seen. And remember last year in that playoff game against the Texans, he was one of the reasons why there was like a rollout. It was like a sweep play. It was a designed run for Allen. And he was running to the right, and there was like four blockers in front of him. And you're like, oh, he's going to get the first down. And all of a sudden, he gets leveled by this linebacker coming out of nowhere because Dawson Knox whiffs on a block. So I don't know if I can trust him catching the ball or blocking at this point. I want Tyler Crofton. What do you think, John? Is that kind of how you feel when you say that, when you ask that question? Yeah. I mean, you can still give Knox opportunities and get him more reps and things. But, like, I, I think at this point, Croft is the better all-around tight end. Yeah, 100%. Dave Thorpe writes in, Wall of Fame has to be McKenzie. What a day. All the backups have had themselves a day, to be fair. Great performances. Norman with the taint. <laughs> That's I love that you guys are, are rolling with taints. You guys, you guys love a good taint. We love a good taint. Uh, Marlowe with two interceptions, Williams with two touchdowns. We even stopped a two-point conversion. Thank you, Dave. We forgot to mention that. We actually stopped a two-point conversion. Just barely, though. Devontae Parker almost had that first foot in. <laughs> but yeah, start, stopped a two-point conversion with our backups, which is even which is even a bigger feat for us, Dave. Dave also writes, Wall of Shame. Uh, we didn't get the 13th receiver record. Dable is gone next year. Yes. We were meant, we were talking about that before the podcast, the fact that um, Dable is most likely gone this year because of, but if you are going to stop a coordinator from taking another job, one of the ways to, to kind of like quote unquote block them from 
from getting, you know, hitching out with another team is to go as far as possible and into the Super Bowl because there will be teams that, you know, obviously there, there's going to be a lot of coaches fired within the next few days. And um, if you bounce, if you get bounced in the first round, well, then obviously these guys can can interview freely or whatever, um, and they can interview while they're still in the playoffs, but it makes it a little bit tougher. Um, usually these guys don't say that they're going to become a new head coach of a, of a new team while they're still in the playoffs and while they're still in the Super Bowl hunt. If the Bills can make it to the Super Bowl, to that game, that's like three or four weeks that a team would have to wait just to either interview or to hire Brian Dable as their head coach, or even Leslie Frazier for that matter. Um, so I think that the best way the Bills can keep Dable is to uh, is to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's easy. That's all. Just that. I don't agree that he's necessarily gone. Sometimes people are happy. Like maybe he sees the Bills can. It's the start of something great. They can string together a couple. Dare I say Super Bowl victories? Like you've seen how it's worked out for assistance under Belichick, and maybe he gets paid great money. He's from Buffalo. Like I don't know. Not not everybody. Um, if the perfect situation isn't available, he could certainly take his time. I think the the bills with the players, the personnel, the regime, um, they're on the ascendancy. So let's say that first of all, money money has to be the greatest factor in all this, right? Brian Dable is making, uh, well, he was making one point two million dollars in Alabama. I imagine he's making around that or more as the Bills' uh, offensive coordinator. But I mean, you figure coaches make roughly at least five to six million dollars a year. You know, John Gruden had that $10 million a year deal. So I'm sure all new coaches are roughly looking around that. There's a potential that Brian Dable could be making seven, eight million dollars a year. Would you ever just stay where you are when your name will never be hotter than it is right now or could potentially not be hotter than it is right now and stay where you are as opposed to taking like a three or four times a year pay increase? (laughs) I mean... I think that's the goal for everyone. And this is your best chance. And I, he left Alabama. He was with Alabama for one year. They won the national championship. Then he left there to go to the NFL. So I would think that this guy is somewhat, uh, some, somewhat of a, of a larger thought process in mind of where he wants to be. And I don't know if that's necessarily offensive head coach though. True. Like you could have gotten it, maybe not necessarily NFL, right. But, he definitely could have gotten a head coaching job from the offensive coordinator at Alabama. You think so? Different college program, ah. for sure. Oh, another college program. True, true. But I bet you he wanted to go to the, that was his only season, I believe, in college football after he left the Patriots. So I think he always wanted to move up because he was a tight ends coach in New England. Then he was able to be an offensive coordinator. You're right. Maybe that's his ceiling. I don't think it is, but um, I think if I had the chance to make five times what I'm making now for you know, more responsibility than I would do it. I think there's a declining marginal utility of money, right? Like certainly more is better, but if you, if you really like the environment that you're in and by all accounts, he gets along great with Alan McDermott, like, and you think you can build something, why not stay a couple years? Like the jets, nobody's worried about the jets, right? Awesome that they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. We're not worried about the dolphins and the Patriots don't have a quarterback. Like there's, up to do really well in the AFC East and foregoing a couple mil when you're making million, like he could still easily get a big payday, like a, right, like a raise. Mm-hmm. True, and I'm sure he will. If he doesn't get another job, they will give him 
a huge pay raise. True. John, what do you think? I, I, I think the ultimate goal is NFL head coach, right? Like that's, that's the biggest thing you can get. That's, that's what all these guys are working for that are in this position. And whether he can do it or not, I mean, you don't know until he does it. It might depend on the team he go, ends up on. It might not be this year, but it will probably be at some point um, the way things are going. Um, and if if and when it happens, you know, that's that's fine. I trust being a McDermott to, you know, continue the process and, and you know, either promote or hire somebody and, and just continue it. Um, I hope Dable stays, but I don't think that's uh, realistically a long-term option. I mean, this is the situation where you want to be in as, a, as an organization where we haven't been in for years because nobody ever cares about the Bills coordinators usually. The Bills coordinators usually never get hired for head coaching gigs because the Bills usually aren't that good. So this is a good position. We're not used to this position. And it's crazy to think that um, at least one, if not two, of our coordinators could potentially be gone after this. Um, like John said, I think the the – Goal is always to become a head coach, so I'd be surprised if he turned down an opportunity. I could see uh, reasons why Mike said. I don't think that'll happen, though. I think I think there's very few coordinators that are amazing that ever stay coordinators. I can't think of many that don't at least try their hands in head coaching, either at the uh, collegiate level or the professional level. And, and sometimes it doesn't work out, and they go back to being a coordinator somewhere else or something, right? Yeah, like Leslie Frazier. Yeah. Jason Statham writes, Wall of Fame, McKenzie, dude totally balled out that first half. Wall of Shame, don't have one. It was just enjoyable to see the whole team playing with confidence. In Gettysburg, that punt return touchdown, it stamped our authority on the game. I don't care who we play in the playoffs, Bills rule. <laughs> it's funny he said Bills rule. I kind of remember, other team drools. Um, <laughs> Mike Taylor writes, Wall of Fame, Antonio Williams. He does not want to go back to the practice squad. Wall of shame, not breaking 60 points. We had the chance. <laughs> Matt Robinson writes, Wall of Fame, Isaiah McKenzie for kicking ass and chewing gum, but being all out of gum. <laughs> Wall of shame, Sean McDermott for giving me a heart attack every time he sent Josh Allen back out on the field. Yeah, you and me both, Matt. Private Joker 2003 writes, Wall of Fame, Isaiah McKenzie looking like the reincarnation of Devin Hester. Wall of shame, Paranoid content creator suggesting that the Bills should treat this like a preseason game when seeding was at stake. I did think it odd when they pulled some starters, but not Josh Allen or Diggs. Uh, interesting about Bills content creators. I kind of agree with <laughs> being being a Bills content creator. I kind of agreed with sitting out people. My my whole thought was... Uh, I think that was a directly a dig at you. Oh, not, not directly to me. Um, Private Joker 2003. I hope not, but no, <laughs> it could have yeah. been. <laughs> what? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, well then. Um, he's like, quote unquote. Very veiled. <laughs> I, I would say it wasn't even veiled then, if that's the, if that's the case. <laughs> I, well, if it makes him feel any better, I disagreed with Nate on the grounds of the number two seed. So, yeah. Yeah. So one third of us, maybe even two thirds, if Mike agrees with uh, playing the guys. Um, I, I still think they should have played. I just didn't want them to play that long. I just didn't want them to play long enough to... I d having Stefan Diggs injured s screws up your total post... your All your postseason, your Super Bowl run and everything. You know, having him a little rusty because he missed a game, or in this case, missed just a half of football, um, I'm okay with. 
especially in the first round, which is the first round. I mean, the Chiefs get an entire bye this week. They get they get off this week because they didn't play their starters, and they get off next week. So they're going to be two. Do you think they're going to lose just because they didn't play for two weeks? No. They're, their players I, are rested I up. That, I don't think that helps them at all. I think the Chiefs are at great li- risk of losing that first week, especially because they haven't been playing all that well in recent weeks. That's true. But the Bills have been. The Bills are hot going into this game. Anyway, it and is- they continue to be hot today. Yeah. And they won the number two seed. And they would have anyway, but like that Browns game was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. So B Mormon 2020 writes Wall of Fame. Bojo is of particular note, but really everyone. Uh, Wall of Sh- Imagine that coming from a punter's uh, Twitter profile. Pro, or, uh, Twitter uh, profile name. Wall of Shame announcing announcers defending Tua to the death. Parker fell on that route in that pick six. <laughs> That's so funny. Henry Booth wrote, Wall of Fame, our team putting up 56 points against a tough defense and knocking a 10-win team to the turf. Wall of Shame, nothing. 13-3 is, and three is awesome. Go Bills. Technically, it should have been 14-2, and two, but we're yeah, 13-3 and three feels really good. Jaden Wolfright, Wall of Fame, Dean Marlowe, Antonio Williams, and yes, I said it, Matt freaking Barkley. <laughs> I'll go that far, but he had a decent game. Wall of Shame, the alleged number one defense in the league. Absolutely. Turning them upside down. Andrew Granick writes, Gnanick, Gnanick writes, Wall of Fame, McKenzie, Antonio Williams, all the participating QBs, Tua included, and McDermott. He writes, he has a, he has a laughing emoji. And McDermott, I like the idea of keeping the starters in for at least a half. Wall of Shame, I guess Josh Norman, but then again, he did have a taint. Yes, he did. Obviously, now everyone's going to say, I like the idea of keeping the stars in for at least a half because they look great. I'm a huge fan now, too. Richard W. Griswold writes, Wall of Fame, the 2020 Buffalo Bills, 13-3, and 6-0 and versus the AFC East in no particular order. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier. And he, he goes through basically the entire team, including... uh. Tyler Bass, Wall of Shame, the Doubters, the Insulters, the Browbeaters, the Dismissers and Jesters, and Belichick. All right, I'm just going to read a couple more because we want to get on to the matchup between the Bills and the Colts. M writes it. I'm going to give credit to M because she she uh, tweeted us about the perineum. Wall of Shame, Billy Buffalo dances are terrible. This is from my dad. <laughs> Wall of Fame, Mackenzie, obviously, and pretty much everyone else. Yay, Barkley, for his best performance. This game makes me feel ecstatic and empowered. I can't believe we're going into the playoffs with a strong and intimidating team. And I also mentioned um, in this Twitter thread, uh, how does it feel? How confident are you going into uh, next week's game against the Colts? Rob Galise writes, I don't know how to feel. My team is really, really good, and I am not comfortable being in this position. Jaden Wolf writes, how confident am I? How confident am I? Bring on the Chiefs tomorrow. Oh, look at that. The Bills God writes, see this gif, and it's a gif of Ron Swanson saying, saying just saying that gave me a semi. <laughs> Dave Thorpe writes, it feels awesome. We're awesome. Far exceeded preseason expectations for the regular season. Super confident on this form. AFC Championship is now the minimum. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Jeez. By the way, we did in our preseason predictions when the schedule came out, we had the Bills going 12 and 4. So this wasn't crazy. This did not actually, we had 13 and 3 then because Mike says, or John says 16 and 0 every year. Mike and I had 13 and 3 for one that was like, a, we weren't sure where to go. And then we're like, ah, we'll go 12 and 4. So actually, if you listen to this podcast, we had them uh, going almost this record. 
Edgar Donnybrook writes, the fact that our second stringers played like that against Tua, who is apparently the second coming, I'm sitting at about nine tenths, nine out of ten on the confidence scale. Buffalo Ceilings writes, bring it. Rob Zach writes, this is our year. I truly believe this team can beat anyone. Absolutely. Andrew Naik writes, at the time of this recording, it's either the Colts or the Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken, uber, uber confident. Mike Graham writes, I feel amazing about the Bills. I think we are the only team in the AFC that can dethrone the Chiefs. Let's go, Bills. We might not even have to dethrone the Chiefs, depending. Since the, the Chiefs are the first seed and the Bills are the second seed, the only time the Bills would play the Chiefs is in the championship game if the Chiefs make it to the championship game and if we make it to the championship game. Mike Graham writes, I feel amazing about the Bills. I think we are the only team in the AFC that can dethrone the Chiefs. Let's go, Bills. And then this is interesting, guys. So let's get in right into um, the jump off about the Bills discussion, about uh, Bills-Colts uh, discussion, this par- part of the podcast. By the way, uh, Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Now, this tweet by Sawyer says he's nervous against run-heavy offenses. Now, if you look at how the Indianapolis Colts uh, fare statistically, I'll give you some of their stats and how they look as far as where they place the season. So uh, offensively, they are the eighth best passing offense when it comes to yardage. They are the 16th best running offense when it comes to yardage. Now on the defense, now, now the reason why I bring this up first is because Sawyer writes, I'm worried about run, run heavy offenses. But if you think about it, what I'm more worried about, and I don't know about you guys, but when I look at a team that scares me in the postseason. It's a team that has a really good pass defense. Now, the Bills have done well recently and in the past against good pass defenses, but that scares me more than a team that can run the ball really well because with the way our passing offenses go, and I listed the stats earlier about 47.3 points per game the last three games, if the Bills can pass the ball like they have been, I'm not worried about a run offense because although you can control the clock, the Bills could be up by two scores before you know it, and that team has to abandon their game plan of running the ball. So even if you were talking about the Tennessee Titans or potentially the Cleveland Browns, I think the Bills have, unless that team also has a great pass defense as well as a great run game, I think the Bills can keep with any team. What about you guys? When you look at a team that fear that you would fear in the playoffs, before I talk about how the Colts are defensively, what scares you about an opponent in the postseason that the Bills could face like the Colts? John, I'll start with you. What 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 do you fear the most? Is it, is it what I just said, a good pass defense, or, or is it something else? I'm not worried about anybody. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at these teams, and sure, like some, uh, you know, if you, you could rank them on who you'd want to play, but I, I think the Bills can beat anybody. Um, Josh Allen's been on fire. Um, he's played good pass defenses, including Miami, and that, that didn't seem to matter. Um, the, the rushing, the rushing actually could scare me a little bit, but like you said, like if Allen's just, you know, Allen's just throwing the ball and scoring a lot, it's going to force the other team to, to, to pass more. Um, I, I, I'm not that worried. You know, when you said that thing about Josh Allen, you know, playing at an MVP level, it made me think, I almost don't want him to get the MVP. I want him to get snubbed because I want him to come out with uh, this sort of like uh, chip on his shoulder that he wasn't chosen, that he has to prove now in the playoffs that he is and should be the MVP of the league. And maybe he just has less of a chip on his shoulder if he actually wins it, which I don't think he will. But 
Um, Mike, what do you think? What what version of any team out there, not specific team necessarily, but what scares you with the Bills going into the playoffs? In a vacuum, Nate, I would most like to play the Colts. I think Rivers is old as dirt, right, and hasn't won anything ever. Um, the Colts don't scare me. They do have Frank Reich, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was 28 years ago today that Frank Reich came back and led the Bills recover from the 32-point deficit and the greatest comeback in sports. So the same reason I don't want to play Fitzpatrick in the playoffs, I don't want to play Frank Reich just because of that history. Um, and that I th- if we're talking history, the last four Bills playoff games have all been against the AFC South, right? This year it's the Colts. Last year was the Texans. 2017, it was the Jags. In 1999, it was the Titans. And hopefully we, we can break that streak. Yeah, the Bills have not won a playoff game in 25 years. Um, somebody brought this up on Twitter, which was a really interesting point, is that um, Josh Allen always, not always, but at times, has had issues with being under the lights and being under the spotlight and playing in big games. I felt like a little bit like that last year in the Texans games, like he was trying to force too much instead of really taking advantage of what the other team was giving him. And um, and I think it was one of those things where he's just too much adrenaline, too much excitement. But this year, since the Bills had four primetime games, I feel like he got that out of his system. And he looked good in just about all of those primetime games. Actually, there's another one, including the Chiefs and the Titans. So maybe six, is that what it is? Four or five, six all together? Either way, Minus those the Chiefs and Titans game, the last three or four, he's looked really good. So I feel like he could overcome that cur- that hurdle of being yeah, no at that point. New year, right? New, and we've talked about how much he's improved. Um, but uh, we we always talk about how he owns the Dolphins, sees them twice a year. With the Colts, there is no familiarity. The Colts are the only team um, in the AFC that he hasn't faced in his career. Yeah, so you want to talk defensive stats on the Colts. Uh, defensively, they are just about average against pass defense, which was my worry, is is my worry. They're 15th ranked, or I'm sorry, 18th ranked in pass defense. So that lends well to the Bills. They are actually the seventh best team when it comes to limiting touchdown passes by the opposing uh, offense. But at the same time, like I said, Josh Allen, seven touchdowns. Out of 20 total touchdowns that the Dolphins led up this year with that overpriced secondary. Um, the, the Colts are actually really good against the run. They're the second best team in the league, uh, for run defense, um, limiting yardage by the opposing team, but it doesn't matter. The Bills don't want the ball anyway. So, um, I feel, uh, confident about this game. Obviously, I'm still going to have butterflies. I'm going to be worried about it. Mike, let's go into, um, your segment of the game for, the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago odds of the Bills game. So, uh, what do we, John? I mean, we always talk about it beforehand. Um, we like to talk it out. The Bills, obviously, coming off a huge win over the Dolphins, knocking them out of the playoffs. They're thirteen and three. Um, they're playing against the Colts. Um, I don't know what their record is, Mike. Do you, do you have that off the top of your head? The Colts won. They should be eleven and five. They're eleven and five. Correct. Yep. 11 and 5, and they're playing in Buffalo, whereas they're used to playing in a dome in Indianapolis. I'm going to say the Bills are favored, obviously. Uh, Bills are going to be favored by six points. 
John, what do you think? I got to say more than that. Six and a half. Mm. <laughs> Across the board, too. Normally, you'd see different sports books. You'd Half a point difference, a point. Everybody across the board, six and a half. Booyah! <laughs> eh, whatever, whatever. That that line's going to change to six soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike, what do you think? I mean, we talked about our, our feelings in this game. Um, when you see that line, does that make you feel any more confident about this game? Or I mean, you're still worried because it's Frank Reich. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Frank Reich's a good coach. Worried? Like you sound pretty worried. I don't think Frank Wright can play. <laughs> the Bills are getting hot at the exact right time. Um, I think we'll hear about it for a week, Frank Reich's history with the Bills. <laughs> that, Last year we heard about J.J. Watt for a week. Yeah, no kidding. I'm more worried about, like, like you, we talked about a little bit before with, like, rushing teams. Like, Jonathan Taylor is pretty good. Um, if, you know, if we can stop him, we can force Rivers into mistakes. Yeah. Which I don't one o'clock time. That should be a prime time game. Bills is the two seed. Is it on Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Well, they're all prime time games, right? Like they're they all. There's no other game going on at the same time as any of these games. Is that what the definition of a prime time game is? Because I'm always confused. It's just when there's no other team. There's no other games playing. <laughs> I mean, I would think that it would be 8 p.m. on any day or later would be a prime time game, but. I've heard that definition be very loose. Yeah, you always think of it being like an 8 p.m. Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night game. But then you think about it, it's like it's it's really that's the only game that's being played. Unlike Sunday at 1 or 4 p.m. where there's always multiple games being played. Primetime really means that that's the game that you're watching. That's the only game to watch. So it's still primetime to me, Mike. Yeah, would you rather have it 8 o'clock or whatever? I disagree. It's I don't think it's primetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how your definition, John or Nate, like the entire day is primetime. <laughs> <laughs> primetime Sunday, primetime Saturday. <laughs> and from from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. at night when the last game finishes. It's, it's, yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's no one said it was going to be a short primetime. It's a long primetime. It's exceptionally it's long. America. It's, this is America. Mike, this is what I thought this was America. <laughs> I didn't think primetime games had to only be three hours long. Cool. Maybe it's a little fatig- like it's hard to complain with the Bills having the four primetime games um, previous to today. Maybe it's a little bit of fatigue. Maybe it's the Colts being the seventh seed. Um, maybe the Bills don't have the, the, the national media or the fan base yet, but um, yeah, I would have preferred to be an 8 o'clock game. When we get to the Super Bowl, that'll definitely be a primetime game. <laughs> Most likely. Most likely. That is that a primetime game, Mike, that says 6 o'clock? Is that kind of... 6.15 or whatever, 6.07. It's a primetime game. It ends into primetime. Like <laughs> 8 to 11. <laughs> it <laughs> ends... The second half, <laughs> <laughs> the second half is primetime. <laughs> the halftime show on is primetime. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a couple of giveaways for the podcast. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before I do the giveaways? Yeah, so like, do do we have rooting interests with some of these other games? All right, tell us what uh, the other we, games are. Uh, so we have Colts at Bills, obviously, Browns at Steelers, and Ravens at Titans. 
I'm thinking we want the Steelers to win. Yes. If that happens, the Bills would play the Steelers, obviously. And then the winner of Ravens-Titans would play the Chiefs. And I think Ravens-Titans, whichever team has a better chance of beating the Chiefs than the Browns do if they had won. And if the Chiefs are beaten, then the Bills would be able to get an AFC championship game at home. Plus, I'd rather play the Steelers than the Ravens or Titans anyway. So I think I'd root for the Steelers this week. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think the Steelers and um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the Titans scare me a little bit just because they beat us already, even though that was a fluky. It was all field position, it felt like, and uh, turnovers. Um I don't know. Like you said, I I don't know if any of these teams scare me. I want three home games, so I'm rooting for whatever team will take out the the, the Chiefs. So I'm hoping that the Steelers uh, win, so the Bills play them because they have their number, hopefully. And then, yeah, hopefully the Chiefs get knocked off by either the Ravens or the Titans, which is definitely possible. What do you think? Mike? I think the Bills can certainly hang with, beat anybody. I would least likely to like to face the Chiefs. As for the decision matrix, it gets it's a little messy. It's yeah. <laughs> Which team don't you want to see in the Super Bowl? If you were to get to the Super Bowl, I think the only team I could see not wanting to play is the Packers. They just yeah, they look good. Feels like the Packers are in a different level compared to the other NFC teams for sure. Yeah, the they can score at will with Rodgers. That's that would be probably the toughest matchup. Yeah, but that still doesn't. It's still like unlike some matchups in the past, that's still not unbeatable. Like that still doesn't scare me. It's like there's no way they can win this, or like you know, I, I, I there's still absolutely a chance that they could just. Oh yeah, I don't think out. like the Bills would be like screwed if like oh we got to play the Packers in the Super Bowl, but like I, I think that would be the least optimal one probably. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You'd want some team to get lucky against them somehow <laughs> in the divisional round or the champion or the conference championship. So cool. All right. So, what are, your, what are your thoughts on like a Bucks Bills Super Bowl? I, I, that, that's got to be a polarizing um, option, right? Yeah, it looks like the Bucks lost Mike Evans for the rest of the season today. I believe. I think he went down with a non-contact injury. I forgot to check to see if it was an actual ACL or not. But I mean, how good would it be for the Bills to sweep the Pats and then beat Brady in the Super Bowl on, on the other, on the Bucks, right? Oh my God, that would feel so good. <laughs> out of out of all the other teams, John, I think you're onto something. That would feel the best out of any Super Bowl win. But then that would also feel the worst out of any Super Bowl loss. <laughs> right, that would not be good. Right, right. polar extremes. This would also be the only time I think that a team has played at home in a Super Bowl if they were to make it because it's in Tampa. Oh wow, Mike, what about you? It'd be sweet to to beat Brady finally, but uh, yeah, losing would be punch in the gut. Yeah, the good versus bad are like equally like the swing is equal, right? And it's interesting with COVID, like how the, how you that Super Bowl will look with the fans. Yeah, so I just I was just looking on Twitter. It says we don't think there's any serious damage to Mike Evans' knee injury, so it looks like he might be back potentially. Next week or maybe the week after, somewhere in the postseason, um, yeah. That playing Brady would be just to that would redeem the twenty or so years that they've just been taking advantage of us in the division because you can't get them back now. We got the Patriots back this season by sweeping them, uh, winning two games against Belichick, so that felt a little bit better. Um, or that felt good, I should say. 
that would feel amazing to beat Tom Brady, even if he's 42. I don't care. Just to beat him in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, in this case, um, that would be amazing. That that would that would feel like the ultimate high over beating over beating like Drew Brees, which I really like Drew Brees, so that'd be tough. I, you know, I, I respect Russell Wilson. Um, there are other teams that like I respect in the, in the conference. Obviously, no one from the NFC East that doesn't count, but like other teams in that area, yeah, yeah, that would be the even over the Packers. I like Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't like Tom Brady, so that would that would feel that would feel good. All right, so we mentioned some giveaways in the podcast. Um, if you're not, uh, if you haven't already, uh, t- to be eligible for a giveaway in our podcast, just leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and leave your handle. Mention CTW or CTW Pod or Circling the Wagon somewhere in the description, and we do giveaways each week. And you also have to listen to the podcast every week and then contact us afterwards. So we have three giveaways. We have a Harrison Phillips jersey. Uh, we have a home and away Harrison Phillips jersey. So there's two right there. And the nice folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago are offering up some polo shirts, some t-shirts or hats. So, um, you guys can decide what you want. So we're going to announce three winners. The first winner is cheesy314. That's cheesy314 is the first winner. The second winner is S Zerg. That's S Zerg. And the third winner is Boozy Bills Babe. That's Boozy Bills Babe. The first one to get back to me gets to choose whether they want the home or away Harrison Phillips jersey or the DraftKings uh, swag that the nice people at the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago have given away to our listeners. And yeah, so email us, ctwpod.gmail.com. Uh, contact us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, either way. Let us know that you listen to the podcast and you won. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us today. If we missed anything, if you want to be ready for next week's game, check out the rest of the amazing lineup on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. They'll bring you everything we have. We were fortunate. Uh, I was talking with Dom Brown, a.k.a. Dom Legend, a.k.a. Dom Faded. He created a new Bills anthem for 2020 for the 2020 postseason, and we're going to play that at the end of this podcast, so stick around for that. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Signing off for John. Go Bills, as McDermott said. Uh, let's start our second season now, and uh, let's go out and win a Super Bowl. How about that? For Mike? That sounds great, John. Can't wait for the playoffs. Go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully the next time we talk to you guys on Saturday night is after a Bills victory. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Hey, hey. Who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Like a high Jordan Poyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Mad Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got digs. Dawson Knox with the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fans Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my 
team. I got a salad on my team. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia. I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division. So it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh, going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you dig it? 17, by to take us to the bowl. Hey, uh, don't you run it? Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Cause we just running up the score on our opponent. We got BZ, we got Diggs, single Terry, by the juke him out of shoes, make him miss, run it in, Zach also throw the digs, it's the sick, Terry Johnson, pig sick, to the house, take a flick, hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills, hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills, yeah. it's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills, yeah. it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills, hey, hey. who you reppin', what's your team, hey. who you reppin', what's your team, hey. you know I'm reppin' for my team, Steph Diggs on my team Super Bowl, what you mean? Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! So we'll see you in Buffalo in January. Be ready. It might be chilly.